Hi, you're listening to Thoughtful Wellness Revolution, where we believe wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. We're your hosts, Zara and Hien. And before we get started, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Even though we're a podcast that believes in decolonizing, we're still bound to the algorithm. So every little bit that you can help us out, we really appreciate it. And we thank you for all the support. Let's get into it. Hey, friends. Today we're here and we are talking to Olivia Howard, Magdalene Priestess and intuitive psychic from the Northern Virginia area. So Olivia, what's on your mind today? Oh, what's on my mind? Um, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to be meeting you, really excited to be connect- reconnecting with he and it's been forever since we've like been together. So I'm just I'm really happy and excited. And my birthday is on Thursday and I'm turning 30. So that's the other big thing that's just on my mind right now, I would say. Oh my gosh. Happy birthday. That's so exciting. My dog is excited for you. Thank you. Happy birthday and happy, happy Scorpio season. Um, There's a lot going on with eclipse energy <laughs> but I saw you know you had done like a really funny like reel or TikTok on like people freaking out about the eclipse coming up but then like for <laughs> Taurus and Scorpio placements it's just like how we always live and I'm like yes it's a Scorpio moon I like feel that <laughs> deeply yes yes definitely definitely I've had people be like is this what it's like for you all the time and I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah it really is <laughs> Yeah. So I just want to share with folks um, how I met you. And and then I'm going to ask you to share a little bit more about yourself and your work. Um, But Olivia was my coach Mm -hmm. in really technically it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like forever ago. Right. Because it was just um, it was last year, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like it was if you look at the calendar date, it's not that long ago, but I feel like so much has happened in the world and in, in life. But um, we met in Giselle Allen's um, Revolutionary Rising program, and you were my coach, um, and you were amazing. And And I love so much how you um, held space for me um, and the other folks in our community. And I wanted to have you on because um, since then, um, I've sort of been, you know, I still follow you on like Instagram and I've been seeing your work, um, and the stuff you put out. And I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit more about, um, a little bit about your like spiritual journey and that work you do as a Magdalene priestess. Like, what does that even mean for folks who don't know? Yeah, I I'm still learning every day what it means. Um, <laughs> But I, I will say that, um, one being your coach and being a part of revolutionary rising was such a life-changing soul expanding experience for me, um, that I'm so grateful for. And so much of just like, I even feel like my ability to embody myself and to move through the world in the way that I do was from that like 18 month experience of working with so many incredible entrepreneurs and humans of color and everything I learned. And so it just feels important to name that because it was such, such a tough time. And we all really held each other through that tough time. I mean, it's still hard. (laughs) It's not, you know, it's not like it got super easy all of a sudden, but when it was really acute, I really feel like we were all so able to just be together. And, and I hold that and I'm really grateful for that. Um, and he, and I mean, I don't know how much I, I, if you remember this, but my, my, my go-to in coaching was always to kind of be in the like body side of things and the spiritual side of things like that has always kind of been my, my default. Um, and so in the past year and change, I've just really honed in on that work and really realized how much our spiritual uh, reclamation is an inherently decolonial and deconstructing choice because so much of what colonization has done, especially Christian colonization, has robbed us of our inherent spiritual 
connection and identity. And it's something that we can dive into if we want, right? We don't have to, but we can. Um, and learning more about the truth of Mary Magdalene was a big way that I have and that I've continued to do that as somebody who grew up in the Catholic church and has since left. And I'm now kind of finding my way out there in, in these I don't even know what where we are in the world, you know, just like out here in these streets, out here in these spiritual entrepreneurship <laughs> streets, trying to trying to make sense of it all. Um, so yeah, that's and so that's that's the work that I do is I do energy healing work and and I, but at the end of the day, I'm really uh, intending to help folks reclaim their spiritual authority, whatever that looks like for them. Um, so yeah. You know, I do remember um, as a coach, you were very much about like the somatic side and like keeping us like embodied and, and, and like you offered, like, I just remember whenever you coached me, what I really enjoyed was like the visualization type of meditations and checking with my body. And I think of course, like, that's probably why, like, I love you so much. (laughs) Um, And also I want to say like, you are such a like multi-faceted person like I because I also know that you also in that program offered like restorative yoga you also like have taught I don't know you still do but you like are a yoga teacher as yeah. well and um, I just want to share that because you're, you're amazing um, but you know I'm I'm wanting to ask I guess a little bit about a topic that I know that you've discussed in um, your podcast, um, spiritually enough, mm-hmm. about because um, I listened recently to the episode on decolonizing spirituality, mm-hmm. and kind of what you shared kind of goes a little bit into that. Um, I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about, you know, because because you've used the words like decolonizing, deconstructing, and and I think. I think Zara and I get it. I think if people are listening to this this podcast, they get it. But I think also sometimes it's kind of like, it feels like a little bit abstract, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. what does it really mean to decolonize my spirituality then? Um, How could that look for me? And so I was wondering if you could like share a little bit more about that. And I also want to say, I too was raised Catholic. So I'm Mm -hmm. all here for decolonizing spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. So the, I, I feel that deconstructing and decolonizing are two things that can really work hand in hand. Um, deconstructing is a term that people use to describe the process of leaving an organized, usually specifically Christian religion. So this is really common around, uh, a really common term used by ex-evangelicals. So people who used to be in some form of really evangelicized uh, Christian church. Um, and also for people like myself who are former Catholics who fully like deconstructing and pulling apart the ideas of what we were taught as absolute truth. And the majority of those ideas are rooted in things like uh, heteronormativity. Um, I mean, there's there's so much, right? And 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 then that I feel like really bridges into decolonizing because when we're decolonizing, I feel it's the personal process and a collective process, if we want it to be, of understanding how have we walked through the world with an assumption of ownership? How have we walked through the world with this idea that, oh, I've discovered this thing and now it belongs to me? And that's not always the case, right? And how many, how much is it also true for us as people of color? Have we grown up in a society that has stripped us? of what is inherently our birthright, which is the the language, the lineage, and the traditions of our ancestors in sort of this idea that we all need to be whatever. And so colonialism and Christianity in particular have really worked hand in hand um, to sort of push forward this very patriarchal, very heteronormative, very racist, very um, homophobic very control of people with uteruses bodies kind of a narrative, um, which is not actually true in terms of Christianity of what the early Christ movement was. There was a strategic decision made in like the fifth century AD that was like, "Mm, we don't like the version of this that says everybody's equal. We're going to take the one that only puts, you know, cishet men in positions of power. And we're going to say that that's God and that's truth. And we're going to weaponize that against people so that they hate themselves. And then we're going to go make the whole world believe that 
right? So that's that's how I see those those structures of oppression, those systems of oppression. Internally, as individuals, when we are able to acknowledge this, what I believe are these universal truths that our humanity is holy, that we weren't born to be in like perpetual apology for our existence. Yes, we need to be held accountable. Yes, we need to own when we've done harm. Yes, all these things are really important. And we weren't born to just like be apologizing and afraid of some eternal damnation for our entire lives. And that strips us when we believe that of an ability to actually practice things like restorative justice and actually have meaningful relationships with ourselves and others because we're conditioned to abandon ourselves, right? And so the personal process for me of deconstructing and decolonizing has been understanding when have I abandoned myself? What thoughts and things do I believe that don't belong to me? And how do what do I need to take apart? And what do I need to reconnect with in terms of my most internal truth that colonialism and Catholicism, the institution of Catholicism tried to take from me? So that's that's what I mean when we're talking about reclaiming spiritual authority is that there's no one outside of yourself that can tell you what God, love, universe is because it lives within all of us. So thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, I appreciate your references to Constantine taking over Christianity and using it as a tool of power and that being pretty much the source of why it, because it, I think it's so interesting that you talk about somatics and also this deep connection to Christianity Christianity and uh, Catholicism because that toxic shame is basically the thing that's been like enforced and rooted and it really yeah I, I I did not grow up in a Christian background so I am finding this conversation fascinating like I've looked at it from I guess an academic lens but to hear it from a spiritual mm -hmm. lens is like so beautiful so I really appreciate it and I just want to say thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that with us and I love this term you're using, embody their spiritual authority and that it lives within us because that is the toxic shame that like a lot of the church I have understood from other people teaches is that they want to cut you off from that feeling. And so, mm -hmm. wow, I just love the way you talk about your work. Thank um, you. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about what you want to see more of in wellness and something you want to see less of in wellness. So it's a question we ask everyone and it can be in terms of your work or in more broad terms, whichever feels applicable. I want to see more people admitting like what they don't know and just like being transparent about what they're actually doing. Like for a long time, I've, I don't, I run an online spiritual business and I don't love that that's a sentence that I say, because there's so much of it that I absolutely hate. <laughs> and there's so much of it that is really liberating and enjoyable. But like, I just wish we could all admit because a majority of us, particularly, I mean, I can't speak for the white folks, but I know for the people of color that I talk to, we're all like, God, I hate existing under capitalism. And why can't I just do this for free? And why does this have to be so hard? And why are we like, it's hard. It's hard. And I wish that more people would just be like, this sucks. And I am grateful to have had this choice. I understand the privileges that come with having this choice. But can we have real conversations also about not knowing what we don't know? Like, don't claim to be something that you aren't. Don't claim to be able to hold something that you can't hold. There's not a failure in that. But I think there's a lot of like, let me show you the light. And it's like, I'm at a point where I'm like, so I'm running a spiritual business. I think that I might be able to help you, but maybe I won't. I'm not sure. Let's figure it out together. Right. And like, but that, that has taken a lot to, to feel like I can say. So I don't know. I just want more people to say what they don't know. And a culture of shame dis discourages us from doing that. <laughs> so easier said than done. It it so does. Um, it so does. And I just want to say like, that's one of the things that I like really love and admire about you. Cause I'm thinking, so like going back to like when you were my coach, so it was a program that was for like entrepreneurs of color, uh, women and femmes of color. 
And I remember, <laughs> like, I just remember you coaching me through those, this, this feelings that I also had of like, like I hate it. Uh, not because I hate, you know, creativity or, you know, helping people, but I hate the systems that we live under that basically, I, I hate saying this, but I feel like a lot of times to quote succeed, like what people think of succeeding in online business is you have to be willing to be a little bit of a grifter a little bit. Like I, I hate feeling like you have to put together the perfect landing page and you have to have the perfect copy in your captions and the perfect like picture now it's more like videos and reels and and then like the perfect emails and like the perfect uh website and the perfect like aesthetic for your instagram and like all these things that i feel like is supposed to boost like that authority of like oh i do know things that you don't know no right and like i really like it makes me so <laughs> uncomfortable like it still makes me uncomfortable even though like technically like i also have an online business i also don't like saying that um and so i just really appreciate you saying that because i'm like yeah there is um there's a lot of like people in wellness trying to come off like they really know everything like you know and and i just really appreciate you um just saying that um and i forgot zara did you ask the second part of the question I can't remember. It's honestly anybody's guess. Uh, <laughs> if you would please, I'd appreciate it. Can you repeat? Like, the, yeah. The, yeah. So, like the question that we the well, the questions that we ask everyone is like, what would you like to see more of, and what would you like to see less of? And so, I think you're saying you like to see more of people admit like they don't know things they don't know. Um, and so that other sort of half is, but what would you like to see less of? I would love to see, and he and I mean, yeah, this is this is a conversation that we've been having and that I think we'll always have forever. It's like, I love so much of this and there's so much of this that I, and so much of this is a function of living in the world that we live in and in the systems that we live in. Um, and so like reconciling that and being like, and I'm a human person. And anyways, um, I think I would love to see less cultural appropriation. I would love to see people honoring and acknowledging the lineages of what it is that they teach, um, which I guess is more, but I would love to see less cultural appropriation, particularly from white spiritual entrepreneurs who, whether consciously or not, are doing that colonizer thing of, I discovered this, I created this. And it's like, eh, I'm sure you discovered and created something beautiful, but can you acknowledge where you came from? Can you acknowledge where it came from? That would be great. And then we can all be fine. It can be fine. But let's like, let's ignore. And I, I'm, I, I do not claim perfection in this at all, but I would love to see less cultural appropriation. Oh, I'm with you on that. And, you know, this, this question actually came up earlier for me, um, but I didn't know how to ask it. But since you mentioned that, um, I was just trying to think like, when you were sharing about, uh, you know, Christianity and how it has evolved to where it is uh, and how it's become harmful, something that I've always thought about is that, you know, I, I feel like Christianity has been culturally appropriated. Like, I've always felt like it's been, like, the, the roots of it were ignored and taken by like, I don't know, patriarchal white folks. Like, am I tripping? Am I the one who has ever thought like that? But like, I don't go outright and say that because imagine me going to like white Christian Catholic folks and being like, you're appropriating. <laughs> but I've, I've always kind of felt like there is a um, appropriation just because I think the roots of it are really beautiful, just like any religious, spiritual, um, practice there is you know truth and beauty and grace and wisdom uh and then i always feel like some dude creates an organization and fucks it up it's kind of how i kind of how i feel does that make sense what, what do you think the way i'm like nodding my head so vehemently right now that it's like about to fall off of my neck like i am like yeah like there is 
so much about the early Christ movement. There's a quote, and I can't think of who it's by, but he basically, he's a theologian, a Harvard theologian or somebody somewhere. And he's like, Christianity hasn't failed. We just haven't actually tried it yet because the Christianity, the institution that exists is not true to what the roots of the early Christ movement were. And there were the books, right, that are known as the Gnostic Gospels, but that were just as important to the early Christ movement as what is in the canonical Bible. And those are things like the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the Acts of Paul and Thecla, the Thunder Perfect Mind, that describe Jesus and Mary Magdalene as being canonos, life companions, lovers, that talk about things like there's no such thing as sin, that show women in positions of unique power, and in the fifth century, right, when they made these really strategic decisions on behalf of the state in order for the state to have more power because the Christians were causing too much trouble, they were like, well, we'll just like not include this part. We'll hyper purify Christ to make him this like untouchable, pure, and we'll make his mom a virgin. And then we'll make Mary Magdalene a whore. And we'll just have this boring, unoriginal conversation for centuries, pitting the pure ones against the whores when neither of these things are actually inherently bad or better than the other. It is it, and and then not and then the pagans, the Celtic pagans in particular, whose cultures were co-opted by the Catholic Church. I made a video recently that went like semi-viral on TikTok where it was like. Uh, basically I was like Catholicism is is co-opted paganism like I'm 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 a witch because I grew up Catholic like I do all this ritualistic stuff because I grew up Catholic and the history of the Catholic Church particularly in these areas is that they would they that's that's why Christmas is celebrated at the winter solstice that's why that's why Easter is celebrated in the spring it's the spring equinox like it's yeah yeah, clearly I could, I could talk about this forever, but yes, yes, there's been so much that's been misrepresented, co-opted all in the name of patriarchal power, because that, that thing that we were talking about earlier, where there's no spiritual authority that exists outside of you, right? Well, that's really inconvenient for a bunch of priests who want to tell you that the only way you can get forgiven, the only way you can connect with God is through them. It's, it's pretty, pretty threatening to a patriarchal world order. It's also um, a lot easier to get people to give you money to fund your conquest of other people when you think, ah, yes, how will they get into heaven? They'll give us money, you know? So, I mean, it really is just a full stack of that. Hien, what were you saying? I was going to say, you know, I like, as you shared all those wonderful things that I'm like, I kind of have like felt it and kind of seen it, but you like explained it in a way that I was like kind of painting like the picture for me, you know, of all like the things that like were, are ignored uh, because like Zara said, it's, when you said it's more convenient for, you know, the patriarchy um, to have it be kind of how it is. And I'm just trying to think like, well, what would it take? Or like, I don't even, I, I guess like, I guess if, I'm sure I'm trying to forward this into a question is like, you know, is it possible to even just thinking about Christianity or Catholicism today, is it even possible for it to be, I don't know, reformed or changed to be a little bit more closer to its roots, a little bit less of the co-op stuff? Because to me, it feels like, like, like they're so like, because I'm just thinking like, I love this conversation. And I just think about the Catholics I knew growing up would be like, oh my God, this is like the worst thing ever. Like, like I just imagine that we would they they would be so horrified to hear that these folks of color are talking about culture appropriation and you know having authority over yourself and decolonize like all these things that like, it just feels so like. Like the gap is so big that I don't know if it could ever be, I don't know if repaired is the right word, but do you kind of get what I'm kind of asking is like, could we ever have a Christianity or a Catholicism that we could feel that we could embrace um, that's not so harmful? Or does it have to be like, we just got to go and do our own thing and say, fuck it on. Like, if you want to catch up, I'll help you, but you're probably not going to want to catch up. <laughs> 
No, I, th- I think it's a great question. And I think that the first thing that comes to mind for me is when I was living in New York City, um, I was living in the East Village and there's a church uh, in New York City called Middle Church. And I used to call it Gay Church because I would go and like the pastors, the pre, like it was the most truly Christ-like church I have ever been in. Like there were they they had guest speakers come on who were trans. They had LGBTQ leadership. They had this really radical, not actually that radical, but for kind of the institution of Christianity, very radical connections into what ultimate love and truth are. So there are people who are doing, even within the institution, as it were, really life-changing work. And I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to. I don't I don't know about Catholicism as an institution because in my opinion until women and non cishet men can hold leadership positions, it, I don't understand like I, I think that there are individuals who are really beautiful and wonderful and loving and great and at the same time the platform at, at, of the of the Catholic Church is anti-abortion, it's anti-reproductive rights, it's very homophobic, it's really harmful. And so it, I think anything can be shifted. But again, I pull back to that quote of like, a lot of Christianity hasn't actually been tried yet. But we also, have to, I feel that we also have to acknowledge that we're living in a time in the United States where Christian nationalism is on a rampant rise, right? And so I do think that there, it's important to have these conversations and to, and that's where Mary Magdalene, in my experience, comes in as this representative of the story that was hidden, that was buried, that was mistold and represented, and the reason why the 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 scales of the institution of Catholicism and evangelical Christianity and Christian cults and all these things are so just like out of balance. And so there are, again, there are Christian churches that do like life-altering, powerful work. And most of those exist in like metropolitan cities. Accessibility to things like that is challenging. So, but accessibility to like the stuff that I do could be challenging. So there it's, it's a larger conversation, but I do think that that's the undercurrent of my intention and my mission is to do what I can to help who I can remember. Like, basically I want you to walk away from your time with me. And this was true when he, and when you and I worked together, I want you to walk away and be like, I don't need her. I never needed her, but that was really cool and fun. And when I have the capacity and the finances and the ability to connect, then we'll do it again. But I don't need this because I have me and I am all that I need. And from there, we expand. Wow. Yeah, I really appreciate you. Just everything that you said. Uh, sorry, Zara, were you going to say something? Um, one, I think my sound is delayed, which is why I keep cutting in here. So that's my bad. Um, and two, I, I think it's really interesting how you're talking about how in metropolitan areas, there are so many, um, Christ embodied, uh, spiritual centers we'll say, but I also think I do. And I, I think it's also possible in a lot of other spaces. I mean, I think about, there are leftist services that the church provides. Like think about all the places that do childcare, daycare, uh, like free yoga classes to parents where they will watch your kids. Like they, churches offer different things. And I, that's where I do think what I've, I thought this before I'm saying this obviously, but I think your work is important where I think this work is important of helping people to understand Christianity outside of the limited institution in which we understand it because they are churches are churches provided people food. They provided people shelter. Like that's what churches have historically been for, you know? So I I do think it is really interesting. And I think it's really beautiful that you're helping people connect to that on uh, more of a spiritually embodied level. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate you naming that. And I think that's something that I try to do and I'm not always as successful when I get really heated is to be, is to differentiate the institutions of the church versus like the actual human beings who often 
occupy those churches and who do believe in love and who do do a lot of really powerful community altering work. And so again, and I think that's that duality that we're talking about, that there is the larger, and I, I mean, we talk about this with capitalism, we talk about this constantly, right? Like the systemic oppression that exists and critiquing the system and then also looking at people as individual human beings and seeing that there can be good even amidst kind of the mess. So no, I, re- I really appreciate you naming that because there is a lot of good that comes. And and like I said, middle church, what I call it, gay church, it was the most healing thing for me. It was so cool and it was so powerful. And they have online YouTube services. If anybody ever wants to tune into them, they are, I mean, they're BLM marching. They are like real deal. And it's really, really healing if you have a history (laughs) of religious trauma from the Christian community the way that I do. (laughs) It's really very healing. You're like, this is what it was supposed to be the whole time. So, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing about that. I definitely feel like I should check that out because, man, I feel like I... I (laughs) I just use so much of like the Catholic guilt still, even though technically I haven't really gone to church in forever or really even, I don't really go out of my way to call myself Catholic even or anything like that. Um, But man, I feel that. Um, And it's so interesting, everything you shared, because I I see a lot of it also as parallels with just even thinking about um, in Eastern spirituality circles, like in yoga and Buddhists spiritual spaces a lot of what you're sharing I'm thinking like the same thing is like the teachings are so beautiful and also the institutions can suck (laughs) like there are so many like abusers and problematic like cult like behavior in yoga and in buddhist spaces right like what the hell is that about um so I just want to say thank you and I want um to know if you could share with folks you know how they can get in touch with you where they can find you you can share about uh, you know, anything you have coming up as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my main spots are Instagram and TikTok. That's where I'm the most uh, active, I would say. My username is Olivia and then Magdalena. So like, uh, I can send it to you so it can be in the in the show notes. Um, right now, I actually last week just... Uh, put out into the world a Patreon model, but via TikTok, um, because Patreon was giving me a headache. And so it's like a private paid little circle where we talk all things. It's, it's, it's very, it's meant to be very accessible. Um, and, and just a way for, for us to connect on anything, Mary Magdalene, on anything, spirituality on anything, um, along those lines. So I'm really excited about that because I'm I'm loving it. And short form video is really great for me in my creative process. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, and then other than that, right now, I don't, I don't have anything massive happening. I'm going to do a priestess initiation at some point, which is going to be like s- spiritual, psychic, intuitive development um, that I, I can't tell you when that's launching. Uh, I've been sitting on the idea for six months, so we'll see if it comes anytime soon, but I try to do my best to share and I always want to share on social media and other like free platforms to just be in conversation. So that's my long-winded answer to your very simple question, uh, but I I love to connect. I want to connect. So oh, let's, and also let's where can it. people listen to your podcast? Yes. So spiritual enough podcast that I uh, co-host with my dear friend Kay, who was also in Revolutionary Rising. I also coached Kay at one point um, that you can listen to that on Spotify is our primary uh, host for that. We are currently in a pause in between seasons, um, but there will be a season two that we're really excited about at some point. But season one's up. There's like 11 episodes. It's a good time. It's all about decolonizing our spiritual journey. Um, and Kay is an Akashic Records reader and a psychic intuitive and a bunch of other really powerful things. And so it's been, it's been fun. So yeah, Spotify. Can I just say as a former philosophy major, this conversation has been like top notch for me of like really just grinding those gears and I love it. And then your work sounds amazing. And I'm just really grateful for this conversation. 
Oh, well, the feeling is mutual. The lit major in me is always like, <laughs> let's talk context, let's talk literature, let's talk theory, let's talk all of it. And I could talk about this stuff for hours. So thank you both for inviting me and for letting me talk about the things I love to talk about because it really helps me remember why I do it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Olivia. I really enjoy always being your present and learning from you. And I just really appreciate you being on here talking to us today. So this is Hello. our post interview um, with Olivia. How are you feeling, Zara? Um, I am feeling like my audio has been dragging this whole call. So maybe during this uh, episode, you've heard me interrupt PN. And so I will apologize for that. But I'm also feeling so wired about this conversation because uh, I love philosophy and digging into Christianity and theology is just philosophy in my mind in a lot of ways. And I love the way Olivia, I'm, yeah. What did you think about the episode? How are you feeling? Well, I feel like, um, I love Olivia. I mean, like, like, and I like you also really enjoy, <laughs> like philosophy and history and, and I, I don't know, I guess, the thing that's like kind of on my mind a lot, I'll just ask myself, Hien, what's on your mind? So I can just share this is like, cause I, I want to share this and cause I really want to hear your take on it, Zara, is I'm thinking about, um, at one point she mentioned Christian nationalism of like, you know, we're ta she's talking about like deconstructing and decolonizing spirituality and in her like specific case, talking about Christianity and Catholicism at the same time. And so like, Thinking about um, Christianity um, and Mary Magdalene and uh, in a way that's like liberating, but at the same time, there's like fascism and Christian nationalism happening in our world right now as we were speaking. And literally the podcast that we just released two days ago from today of when you're listening, we talked about how fascism was falling fast like it's not going slowly anymore we're like fast approaching and so I guess I just want to hear your take on on all of that I guess like the the duality I guess of the stuff Olivia talked about and also during the backdrop of like fascism um it's I I think it's really interesting that you asked that because one of the questions I wrote down uh while we were interviewing Olivia was how deeply linked are Christianity, capitalism, and patriarchy, right? Because as Olivia talked about in the earlier episode, uh, around the fifth century, Constantine, in an effort to uh, expand his empire and consolidate power and to bring in uh, Christians who were starting to gain too much of their own authority, I believe it was versus the Romans. Is that what it was? Uh, I might be wrong on that part. Correct me if I am. But uh, they, they, basically cut out all the women out of the Bible, cut the Bible down to the specific verses that reinforced the ideas they wanted to reinforce and brought people into the fold that way. And they, uh, and I think it is like, if you think about how modern society started, it starts with ancient Rome and ancient Greece. Like that is like, is our, they able to be extracted? If so, how? And I do think it is happening because we obviously just listened to Olivia's work. We, I, I mean, I remember in college attending uh, a seminar about basically what we have been talking about and what I've just summarized about how women were cut out of the Bible. And I do think there is a lot of power to be had in that. Uh, but I don't know. It is, I think, and I, I regret I, I don't I don't say this happily or like with ease, but I do think with spirituality right now, I think this is a beautiful movement that's happening. And I think it could and can be very easily and quickly co-opted uh, by Christian nationalists, by TERFs, uh, because, you know, 
there's a lot of weird divine feminine talk going on. Um, so yeah, it, it does bring me in to wonder like how deeply these three systems are connected, like Christianity, Catholicism, or sorry, Christianity, capitalism, and patriarchy. And like, what is the concept of undoing them? Does I'm getting very philosophical. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Sorry. Mm, I'm going to let you respond. I do have something else to say. Well, you can say it. It might be a bit of a shift, but I, I think it's really interesting when we talk about, we were talking also about how stressful it is to run a spiritually based business, right? And how like, oh, why can't I just do this for free? And then I was like, oh, why does the system not work anymore? And it's like, oh, I mean, like basically the reason it used to work is because of the caste system where it's like <laughs> you have wealthy people or the spiritual class who are taken care of, right? The spiritual class and the wealthy class take care of each other and casteism. And then you have like, what are they? Patrons of the arts, people who would pay for artists, people who would pay, like you would pay for these people to live in society. So I do think it is really interesting that now we've come to this crossroads where JK, we won't support you for supporting our spiritual growth. You have to financially figure out how you're going to do that yourself. Um, so I don't know. It is interesting to me to see the interwovenness of all of these issues, I guess. Yeah, you said a lot and I love it because I, I, I'm not saying a lot yet because I haven't fully formed my thoughts on it yet. But I, I think it's interesting that like, like what you just said with like the, what you would describe as the caste system and you're, you're definitely right. And I think about it also in terms of like, we kind of still do have that to some extent with the influencer world, right? Where it's like, you could be a creative entrepreneur online or like a spiritually based online entrepreneur, basically like you could be an online business owner and you could succeed if you get brands right companies to sponsor you right that's kind of what everyone on the internet kind of does who's quote successful right um and so i i hate to say but it's almost like the system hasn't really changed much at all it's just shifted right <laughs> like it hasn't it's like it's the same shit it is different in that I think more people, um, and this is not to say that people back in the day, that, like, I, I like to believe that at any point in history, there was always people who were like rebels and critics and trying to like, do more libertarian stuff. But I do feel like it's just and I've said this a lot, uh, talking to you, Zara, and on the podcast of like, um, people are waking up, like more and more people are waking up more and more people are wanting to like, do something different, like they may not be sure 100%. Um, what that something different would look like, but they want it to be different. They want it to feel different. They wanted it to be um, more inclusive, less harmful. And so that is like the difference. But when you said how you could see some of this stuff getting co-opted, I'm thinking like, what well, already has is the thing. And and I, I, I love so much what Olivia said when she said how there's like um, a scholar who said like um, Christianity really hasn't been tried yet in sense of like the the root teachings and you know besides a few communities um where people are really trying to shift things or you know do just do wonderful things and build relationships in their community that it's it just I, I guess what it comes down to and I'm such a social four for this it comes down to the institutions versus all of us I I hate it's so cliche I feel like such a like social for like, ah, I'm a rebel without a cause when I say things like that. But like, I kind of just don't, it's hard to convince me otherwise. I mean, what do you think? I agree with that wholeheartedly because, okay, I agree with that wholeheartedly and I will make a caveat to disagree with it. I agree with it wholeheartedly because when you look at, when you walk down the street, you are more likely to meet someone who will hold the door open for you, make eye contact with you, compliment your skirt, or, you know, make 
some sort of people are nicer and genuinely nicer to each other in person like when you meet someone one-on-one it's very rare you're going into a situation and I mean it does happen and it happens every day we experience racism we live in a racist world in a racist society in a classist society where people are demeaned every day but I think on an individual level people are generally good I say that with hesitance um Wait, but, I'm surprised. I'm so I don't know why that surprises me. I I think because of your Sagittarius type two nature, that surprises uh, me. That your little hesitance with that. Oh, that I'm hesitant. That I think people are generally good. Well, I also like live in the world, so I get it. Um, I think people are generally good. I think institutions, generally, people who rise up in institutions and create institutions are people with power and people who want to maintain power and that therefore institutions generally, unlike humans, are bad. (laughs) No, not that they're bad. It's just that there is a lot. It's a lot. I think about it in the context of bullying, right? When you're a kid at school and there's one big bully picking on you, that's one thing. When you're in school and the mean group of kids start picking on you, that's a different thing. You know what I mean? Because maybe one of the kids in that group wouldn't say something to you. Like most of them wouldn't say something to you if they were walking around on their own. But in the group, they feel this level of empowerment. There was this level of safety and entitlement uh, where as they're talking on the Monday episode, uh, the episode released on Monday is that it's hard to like integrity is based in every single choice and every single moment. And so when you're in these institutions, it becomes very easy to say, Oh, I'm just an individual. I can't do anything about this. And that's where you become tolerant of intolerable things. Uh, So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question, but individuals probably good systems, probably bad. (laughs) No, I, I love uh, first of all, I don't really think I had a question. I think I was just saying like, I can't be convinced otherwise that institutions are a problem. And I think you just gave more like context and nuance to it, which I always appreciate. I love how you linked it to our last conversation um, about integrity and ethical dilemmas and stuff. And it goes back to, well, I I guess I want to ask this question. Can institutions be good? Can institutions be more helpful than harmful and if so what's an example because I I feel like intuitively I think there must have been at least one institution that has done good but I can't name on top of my head right now so I I actually think I have a response to that that is uh controversial and because like I think about And I don't want to give too much credit to medieval Europe. So (laughs) please take this with a grain of salt. But churches in medieval Europe, like, yeah, they were used as control pieces and mouthpieces for the beliefs that we wanted people to have. But they were also taking care of the sick. They were doing last rites for people. They were providing food for the community. Like they were a space for people to go and commune. And that's where I think like what the work Olivia does is really Uh, special and I think spiritual work in general is very special because that's I think a thing we lost because along the way churches had to maintain power they had to keep people going to them as ideas are spread as you have uh, Johann Gutenberg in the printing press right so the bible becomes readily available for people to read right that gives people education that means the church needs more control it kind of becomes a system where they need to control people And in that you lose your connection to spirituality. So I think institutions set up in a spiritual nature. And I say this with a lot of reservation because I don't think this applies to every spiritual institution or even modern day spiritual institutions in general. But I do believe they were established with the intent to be of service for the people. I just love your example that you shared so much. And I'm loving this conversation because it's just giving me, so I will say a long time ago in undergrad years, 
I took a class on the Reformation, like Christianity stuff. Uh, it was like a religious studies class that's part of my interdisciplinary degree on politics, philosophy, and economics. And so it like just takes me back there. So I just want to say thank you for this conversation, Zara. I always love chatting about this nerdy stuff um, and trying to remember things. But something that comes to mind is just, I guess like I can't, it's not, I don't feel like it would be truthful to ever say uh, institutions are all of one thing or the other, like the binary, like it's it's either good or it's either bad. Um, even though I asked what I asked, because I'm thinking like there's like intent versus impact. And I think even Olivia in her conversation said like, oh, she sometimes when she talks about this could distinguish more between like the individuals who may be a part of an institutions who really do believe in like the really loving, um, liberating parts of whatever institution they're part of but it's the institution itself that ends up you know a shit show right <laughs> like for lack of better words like a shit a shit show and is is harmful and so I'm just thinking though like is it just that I am such an idealist and such a social for that I just find it hard to accept that that maybe we'll never have our perfect institution I guess, I mean, I don't even know if it's, I mean, the thing is, I don't even think it's perfection that I'm looking for. I think it's like a vibe thing. And I know that sounds super woo-woo and intuitive, but I know and believe that there are institutions where the vibe is liberating and loving and people are accepted and included. But whenever, I think what's hard for me is that whenever it's not, it's so hard to repair that, you know, whenever there's harm, it's so hard for there to be accountability and repair. And I think that is what bothers me. But I also don't know how much of that is on. Uh, that's a problem with the institution versus it's uh, the problem with individuals, because I think a lot of people now are awakening to the fact that like, you know, we need to learn boundaries, we need to learn consent, we need to learn like, how how about trauma and how we heal you, do you know does that make sense of like I don't know how much of it I could say it's only institutions fault um because I just don't think that is I, you can truly say like a binary answer but like how much of it is then on the individuals within the institution where like I, I think about the book um this book that I've read recently or listened to the audiobook recently and I'm talking to my therapist about um called adult children of emotionally immature parents yep. and it made me realize how many emotionally immature adults there are in the world <laughs> so I'll, I'll just leave it at that so you can respond one I love that book I'm glad you're reading it a therapist also had me read it it's very helpful um <laughs> if you uh have heard the title of that book and you are curious very helpful check it out um but I want to say in context of whether it's the institution or the individual and I think you touched on it a bit and I want to kind of just like expand upon my idea of it or my, I guess, perspective that it, you're right. It isn't all on the individual and it isn't all on the institution. It is about the balance and the nuance between it. And I think what we struggle with across the board on a global scale, maybe not global, I will speak for America on a national scale for sure. Um, we lack emotional awareness. We lack emotional maturity. We lack the skills and resources to be in an institution and feel safe enough and feel secure enough and understood enough and know ourselves enough to know our role. How am I the problem? How am I the source of help? How is this system working? How is it not working? Where can I take responsibility? Where can I talk to someone else and take responsibility? And that all comes with things like boundaries, a ability to have uh, a conversation around emotions you know like these are all things that as a society we have not focused on we have not worried about and we've just been creating systems and institutions particularly uh for the last 30 plus years as businesses you know and it's like a business functions very differently from what a church might function as you can ask chris jenner and kanye west separately about their churches but um <laughs> you know, those two institutions should be run differently, but instead we try to run all the institutions like a business and then go, I don't know why our other institutions aren't working. And it's like, well, education is not a business. 
children need to understand what's going on with them emotionally, internally. They need to understand their role in the world, you know, all these things they're trying to really mark out of us. Um, so I do think it comes down to which what we're seeing right now and the work Olivia is doing and the work we're doing. Um, it's having those conversations as individuals. It's being um, responsible for your own stuff and taking accountability to learn the things that you need to know and then finding institutions where, like you said, the vibe is right. Because it's like when people are looking for that justice, they want to come together. You know, it's about feeling in the right space and being able to do the work. Sorry. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I don't know. I like, I don't, I, I feel like, I, I think I'm just going to express my like frustration as a social for <laughs> I feel like I'm sorry this this conversation has gone to like me and my little philosophical musings and and you're just like uh, helping me get perspective is kind of how it feels um I think what's hard for me as a four is that even though there is a lot of like what you said what we're doing what Olivia is doing and like other wonderful people who are just waking up and kind of like being a part of the change, the shift that we're all seeing, you know, people are waking up and realizing things want, they, they want the vibe to be different, however that might look, however they might get there. Um, I think what's hard for me is just that these institutions, so many of them are so powerful that it feels, ah, I don't like saying this, but I feel like despair because, because they're just like, they're so you know, they're just so big. They're so powerful. You know, I, I had the question in the podcast, Olivia, where I asked, like, you know, do you think that, like, some of these, like, churches or, like, you know, institutions, basically, could ever really, like, quote, reform themselves or just, like, be different? And, um, <laughs> and especially, I think, I agree with her answer on the Catholic Church, where I'm, like, I don't think they could, <laughs> because, oh my god they're like 100 years behind or more I don't I don't even know <laughs> like and and it's and it, it and that's what and that is when I feel a little bit of the despair or like the feet in a sense like I'm not feeling like the feet right now but what I mean is like when I think about it I think about for too long because I just think about like all the children who are suffering the way I had once suffered, right? Of learning to be fearful of their God, of learning to be ashamed of their bodies and their sexuality, um, you know, being ashamed that you're a woman, you know, like, like just these, it's just so big um, that it feels like, I don't know what the word, like inescapable, <laughs> if that makes okay. sense insurmountable also was the word yes. I was thinking yes yeah I was thinking that too but I wasn't sure if that was the right word or if I'm like mixing words so I was sorry like, thank you for giving me no that I word. could I could feel it you were like insurmountable yes yeah um okay so I want to add two things to that because one is a very real and legitimate concern and feeling of despair for what is going on in the world and like how the fuck do we overcome this and I want to add as a heart type, our core emotion is despair, baby. And as you are a social for, I wonder if that despair is tied to social issues and social feelings and that feeling of particularly as a four feeling like, is there something wrong with me? Am I defective or is the world defective that we can't ever have this ideal as a four I have ideals right of that we can reach and get to um so I do just also you know suggest checking in with that level of it because it's real and that's how it shows up in our lives like I if I think too long about how fucking single I am as a sexual two I fall into a deep pit of despair which is not nearly as important as children who are experiencing <laughs> like religious abuse and I very much want to name that as in like despair is not always like a feeling that is like rational or like uh, has to be limited to one thing and where I'm like oh you can't feel despair about this because it's just your ego it's not just your ego it's a very real thing that we are experiencing um and 
I don't know. It's just also, is there space for hope? I don't know. And I'm, I'm not, I, I don't, who the fuck am I to tell you, you need to have hope? Cause that sounds fucking ridiculous, <laughs> but yeah. Just no, I really, I so appreciate that. Um, Sarah, like I really, I so appreciate that. Um, God, why do you have to remind me of a heart type? <laughs> but thank you. Um, I, yeah, it, because, well, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, it's funny. I'm sticking to the first part where you said, oh, that everything is ha- how everything is happening. Like there is a place for despair because it's so interesting because in some ways I feel like there's not enough despair. And in some ways there's too much as a four, right? In, in the sense of like, I think for some people who are just quote going on as normal, like, honestly, it's 2022. If your normal hasn't shifted from how it was in 2019 I don't trust you like I just I'm sorry I don't because so much has changed and I just can't believe you if you're telling me you're not also changing and evolving with the times um you know and and so I I guess the thing is like you know for for the people I guess the institutions and the people in power who are like clinging to their power and who are wanting to like I guess you know I'm thinking about the Christian nationalists and fascists in particular right there's no despair for them necessarily because or the enablers of those which we talked about in our last episode as well like the neoliberals right there's not enough despair there that's where I feel like there needs to be more despair with you people um because you're just you just don't I guess it's like you just don't see reality is how I feel um and then on the other hand I'm like but there is too much despair with the heart-centered people the heart types the activists, the healers, the people who are probably listening to this podcast, sometimes I feel like, oh man, but there is too much despair or like, we can't let our despair eat us up. Um, and so I, I don't really know what I'm saying. I'll, I'll give it back to you, Zara. I'm just, I'm just talking like a, a four right now. <laughs> I'm exposing um, myself. I love that though, because it also kind of makes me think of, and this is the term that came up when you were talking. I don't know if anyone's ever used this, but like nihilistic despair, where people are both cut off and don't care about the reality but are like everything sucks and everything's miserable and it's like yes yes everything sucks and everything is miserable I am not denying that and we're not all just gonna die tomorrow uh, maybe I, at this point with <laughs> uh climate change we don't know but I mean like indigenous folks uh, younger kids who are inventing things to help clean up the earth. People are doing a lot of work in that regard, you know? And I think that's a thing we often forget when we fall into like casual nihilism or like nihilistic despair because you're like, oh, it's all sucks and also nothing matters. And it's like, woof. Uh, versus the rest of us who are like, who are feeling despair. There are a big group of us who are pretending everything's fine and that's another issue but when when I fall into like hopeless despair where I'm just like nothing fucking matters there's no point that also is I don't know is is it the same thing it's bad though but it is I don't know yeah do you have thoughts wait wait what do you mean is that the same thing what what were the difference things okay so like casual nihilism or like casual and nihilistic is uh despair and uh people who are just stuck it like no I think it is different because you have people who are stuck in despair who are like I can't move forward I can't do anything and then you have nihilistic despair where it's like I mean everything sucks so nothing matters where it's like one is I just truly have no like I'm apathetic to caring and the other is I care so much that I can't fathom what comes next to do anything about it yeah, you know what? I feel like <laughs> it's so funny, but I talked to my therapist a lot lately about nihilism. She just I I went to therapy a few months ago and I was explaining how I've been feeling and she's like, oh, "Okay, so just some casual nihilism." And I was like, "Yes, but you're calling me out, but that is why I'm in therapy <laughs> um to work on these things." Um yeah, I I do think there's a difference. Um that's interesting. And I'm, I just want to say to our listeners, um, thank you for listening to our now philosophical podcast. <laughs> I just, I just love all the genres, like the range, right? Who, you know what, who's doing it like us? We've given you politics, 
We've given you wellness with all the experts we've interviewed. We've given you spirituality. And now we are giving you philosophy. Like, like you are welcome. Um, thank you for listening also. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know how talking about institutions led to now talking about despair and nihilism, but here we are today. Um, Zara, is there anything else um, that is on your mind um, about this? Because I feel at this point, I'm like, I think I've, I've said everything I needed to say for today. Oh yeah. I need to like write about a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Cause I feel like my brain wheels spinning now. Cause there's not a, I mean, my brain is on wheels. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I want to thank everyone for listening and for tuning in. And again, thanks to Olivia for her lovely interview. And thank you to you, Hien, for, I mean, I could, that I won't start naming all the things I'll thank you for because we're trying to end the episode. But yeah, thank you, Hien. Oh, thank you, Zara. I love you. And thank you to our listeners. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Thoughtful Wellness Revolution podcast. For bonus content, you can go to thoughtfulwellnessrevolution.substack.com and subscribe for $5 a month. You can also follow us on Instagram at Thoughtful Wellness Revolution to share your thoughts. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you're listening.